0: Let's, let's welcome Mike Henshin as, he's, as he comes forward to bring the Word of God and minister. How are you this evening? Good. Good. Welcomes like that, I'll just have to uh, take Mark with me wherever I go. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> it's very good to be with you. I'm going to back up a little bit, if that's okay. I feel like I'm right on top of you, and I probably am pretty close to being right on top of you. Is it okay if I put this, set this on your piano, dealer? Good. I'll do that. So good to be with you. you. Um, I love every time I get to come out here. It's great. I'm trying to get where I can see everybody. I guess I'll just have to. I was in a church in one uh, for a period of a few years in L.A. Melodyland, and it had a revolving platform area, so it was it was quite good. The guy would just stand, and everybody'd see him eventually. <laughs> Depends how long his message was. He might not quite get to you, <laughs> if you were, depending on what direction the, it was revolving and stuff, but. Uh, it's good to be with you. I've just come back from being in Canada, Western Canada. I leave tomorrow night for South Africa for seven weeks. So I'll be out there and then back just in and out. That's the way it is. I saw, actually, I don't know if anybody saw on the news the other night. looks like in and out Burger's coming to Colorado. Yeah. Trader Joe's. I'm a California boy, California boy at heart. I grew up there and moved here to Colorado just two years ago. So, but I, I love it here. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not here very much <laughs> to love it. But uh, I'm sorry, my wife can't be with me this evening. She just she's just got a nursing job, and she's the new boy, on, new girl on the block, and so she has to work when they tell her to work. And uh, we're grateful that she's got a job this present time. But it's so good to be with God's people and to see. That they're hungry for more of him. They want to see what he's got for them. They want to hear what he has to say to them. And uh, this evening, what I want to share about it, it's, it's very simplistic. I, t- I have simple messages, I really do. I'm not uh, of the quality of Mark or some of the guys he's brought in as speakers. Actually, I've never heard Mark speak. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he's good because you're here. <laughs> But I can tell his, how he presents himself of what kind of speaker he would probably be. But uh, I just, I like to relax with God, because I think often we're pretty intense and uptight with God, and uh, what I mean by that is just that we kind of don't know where we fit in and how we flow with all that he's got to do and stuff and i really feel like god wants to put his people, we're his children. He wants to put us at ease. <laughs> just turn to the person next to you though and this i do this every time i come just tell them this it's not all about you. I could see some of you are liking to say that. <laughs> some of you i could see as well have wanted to say that to that person for quite a while. <laughs> You know, I believe what the Bible says. What is it? Faith without hints is dead. You know. It's right. <laughs> anyway, but uh, it's true. It isn't all about us, but it is all about us. And so, it, it, I think it's helpful this evening. I want to share something with you that I feel like God's put upon my heart. And as I said, it's very simple. But as I believe, as we begin to understand it and see it in a greater dimension, what will happen is it will release us to release others and impact others and touch others. And that's what we're all about, the church, isn't it? You know, to be a prophetic culture, we're to impact generation after generation after generation and cause them to change and become more godly and Christ-like. Isn't that true? So this evening, I'm going to be sharing, you know, just a simple thing about the Father's love and that Jesus is that model of love to us. And it's him being that model. He's left some things for us to do in the area of love as well. But it's imperative that we understand Christ's love for us. Do you believe that? First John 4.16 tells us that God is love. And uh, we've heard that before. We know that. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have an everlasting life. And probably we've heard that since we've been kids, haven't we? But what I've discovered that God, the Father, His love, He demonstrated His love by giving the most precious thing that He loved, which was His Son, to us, to redeem us, to ransom us. And in doing that, what He did, He modeled for us that love. And you see, why do I say that? Because all the actions of Christ... Represent actually the actions of the Father. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, or I only say what I hear the Father saying. So when Jesus stood over Jerusalem, and it says, He wept over Jerusalem, and He says, Oh, how I would long to gather you and bring you under the pinion of my wings like a mother hen. That was the Father letting the people know through Jesus. The love that he had for the people. God so loves people. And he wants us to love people as well. Exodus, the 20th chapter, in the 6th verse, is something so significant. And I hope it will help us to see God in a different perspective because we operate with our understanding of God almost in a little box. And we realize, God loves me. In fact, let's just say that. God loves me. Isn't that true? But this is what it says about God. It says, But God shows love to a thousand generations of those who love Me and keep My commandments. In other words, those that love God and keep His commandments, He demonstrates His love towards them for over a thousand generations. Can you imagine how long a time span that is? That's 4,000 years thousand times? No, it's 40,000 years. 40,000 years God will demonstrate His... Now, you would have quite a legacy of children if your legacy extends 40,000 years, wouldn't you? Humanity hasn't even been recorded that long, have we? And God says, if you just love me and Keep my commands. My love will be demonstrated to you for more than 40,000 years. You know, if we can get that in our mind, I mean, that is a long time, people. Isn't it? Oh, you're very quiet. Are you normally this quiet? (laughs) You see, what I want you to do, I want to stretch the grid of your understanding because often our perceptions of God are so restrictive with regards to how we perceive He is. But He's just wanting us to see that He is so vast, time, space, and matter do not restrict Him in any way. That's why 40,000 years to Him is nothing. Absolutely nothing. And He says, My love will be demonstrated to you for that long of a time span. That's incredible. Psalms 21, verse 7, he says, For the king trust in the Lord, and through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. You know, the Word of God tells us in Hebrews 12, it talks about the unshakable kingdom. And it's talking about the kingdom of God. How many of you are aware that there's a whole lot of shaking going along? You know? a whole lot happening around about us, isn't there? Perhaps some of it's affected you. Well, the Word of God, as we begin to see and we begin to understand, that here God says that He will demonstrate His love to us and through His unfailing love. It never fails. He will never let you down. He never gets disillusioned with any of you. How many of you have ever been disillusioned with somebody? You know what? He never gets disillusioned with any of us. Why? Because he never had any illusions about us to begin with. He we knew we were just humanity. He knew we were like grass. It says that the the the, uh, gra- uh, the, the flower fadeth and the, the grass withereth, but the Lord just perpetually carries on. And th- isn't that the way it is so often? That our perceptions alter, but God says His unfailing love will never, ever be altered towards His people. And you know what? We can take that to the bank. Where everything else is being shaken around us, that will not be shaken. Psalms 25, verse 1-7, through I'm going to read it to you because as we begin to see what He's saying here, and again I have long introductions and short messages. My, my message is just really four short points, and they're pretty short. But it's just, I'm getting this introduction all up. Okay? Here's what it says. It says this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be Put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O God. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, you grant mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, Lord, You see, the reason I want, wanted to read that is we need to understand God's love. He forgets our sins of our past. They're washed away. But not only that, He's reiterating to you and I, He is a good God. And you know what? I can't say that enough to you. He is a good God. It was Oral Roberts who coined, coined the phrase that God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. We need to remember that perpetually because you see, often our mindset is one that is fixed upon the fact that if I do everything right, everything should be good for me. And that only bad things happen to bad people. But what I've come to realize is that we have to live in a place in the kingdom of God where we look at the kingdom and we believe that all things work together for God's good according to His purpose in you and I. that So that even when bad things happen to good people, we know God is going to bring good out of it because God is a good God. Just turn to the person next to you and just tell them, God is a good God. So according to your love... Remember me. Aren't you glad it's not according to our love or my love? Because sometimes our love can be a bit fickle, isn't that right? I had a friend, she used to say, her parents used to say to her, Karen, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly is all the way to the bone. And often, that's our mindset. Our mindset is one of the skin deepness of the love of God. But God wants us to know His love transcends. It's not just a superficial love. It goes all the way to the very core of our being. He loves us and is utterly and totally committed to us. I don't know about you, but that's the best insurance policy any of us could ever have. It's God's love. And you know why we have a love towards God and it's just a reciprocal love? And it's this, in First John four nineteen, it says, We love Him because He first loved us. So isn't that incredible? You see, so God plants the seed of love within us, and the seed of love sprouts and turns around and loves Him back. So the love that we have comes from Him. The love that we express is demonstrated because of the love He's put within us. I don't know about you, but I like that. 1 John 3 1 says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished, giving extravagantly on us. That we should be called children of God. And then He goes on and says, And that is what we are how many of you look after your kids so of course i skyped with my grandson today he's 2 years and a month old and he's the cutest grandchild <laughs> of course takes after me <laughs> people when they a friend of mine just had a new baby girl and I haven't told him yet, but I generally tell people when they have new children, I, I say to the father, I say, gee, you know, this child has got all your good looks because your wife still has hers. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, we have taken on God's good looks. We have taken on God's love because his DNA of his love is deposited within you and I. We're his children. So, guess what? Your children, you don't have to look at your children and tell your children, now, really, really strange to look like me. They just start looking like you. Isn't that true? And you see, in the same way, that's what happens with you and I in our Christianity. We just start looking more and more like our Father. And it's like a fruit tree. With a fruit tree, you don't have to tell that tree, oh, come on, bear some fruit. It just bears fruit. And that's what God wants us to know as Christians, that we're going to bear His DNA, because His DNA is in the core of our being. In 1 John, the 4th chapter, you know where that's at, don't you? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 1 John? Oh, that's not it. It's not the right one, huh? Here's what it says. And I'm going to read a few scriptures to you because it's important to hear this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And His love is made complete in us. It's like that fruit. You don't have to tell that fruit tree. Just, hey, produce an orange. You're an orange tree. Produce it. Come on now. Come on. God's love is within us. It will express and demonstrate and manifest through us. We know that we live in Him and He is in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world anyone acknowledges that jesus is the son of god god lives in him and he in god so we know and rely on the love god has for us god is love whoever lives in love lives in god and god in him you live in love you live in god you live in god you live in love they're interchangeable they're simultaneous they operate they work together they're in us whoever lives in love lives in god and god in him And this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Him. There's no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For if anyone does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wow. But let's just revert back to this just a moment here. The, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love you see, so often our actions of why we don't do things in the kingdom of God or why we don't step out in the prophetic or why we don't do this in the kingdom or that in the kingdom is because often our thought is, what if I'm wrong? What if I fail? What if I make a fool of myself? What is the reaction? The reaction, according to the Scripture I just read, it is, one, our fear is that we're going to bring disproval to God. And that has to do with punishment. And God has eradicated punishment for the believer today. Amen? Now, we love because Christ loved us. What are some of the ways that we can demonstrate this because Christ obviously demonstrated these things upon earth didn't he he really manifested love wherever he went he the wine bibbers the gluttons the tax collectors the sinners they loved to hang with him because you know why he never made them feel guilty he just accepted them for who they were and he just loved them isn't that true Matthew 5 14 says love your animals in- animals I could have said enemas, but anyway, I didn't. (laughs) My wife's... No, never mind. (laughs) Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, the Word of God says that if we love our enemies, that if an enemy comes to us and asks us for water, give him water. And if they're hungry, give them food. And it says we're heaping coals of fire up on their head. So, you know what? This is just the most... uh, incredible picture to me. In other words, if you have an enemy, wouldn't you like to burn that sucker? <laughs> How you burn the person is you burn them with love. And you leave the burning to God. God says it's like putting coals of fire up on their head. Wow. I have a, I had a friend in Bible school and this guy well, he wasn't a close friend. He was an acquaintance. (laughs) This guy drove me crazy, though. And I thought he he drove me crazy because I considered him unsincere. I considered him weird. I considered him everything I didn't want to be is what I considered him. And this guy in meetings or classroom situations, things of this nature, all of a sudden, he would just say at the top of his lungs, Glory! And it would just drive me up the wall. I'm sure it probably affected a few other people as well. But I realized it's not right for me to have this feeling towards this guy. So I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Help me love this guy. So I thought the Lord was going to cause him to be quiet and (laughs) change his demeanor and how he presented himself and things of this nature. And you know what the teacher said the very next morning in the class? She said, you know, I just felt the Lord speak to me last night to change the seating around. And his last name was Goodman and mine is Hanchett. So it was right next. I got placed right next to this guy. And you know, over a course of time, my first Action was, oh God, what are you doing? And then I began to see what he was doing because what I began to observe, this guy was sincere. This guy passionately loved Jesus. And when he said these things, he actually was just being blessed. And God changed my heart. He changed my perception with reference to Him. And you see, that's what transpires when often people Sometimes they are enemies, but sometimes they're perceptions of enemies. And sometimes, how many of you know, our perceptions can be erroneous and wrong with reference to people? Sometimes we have impressions of people that are reckless, and they're reckless because we know someone that looks like that person, so we interpret out of a filter of something that has happened previously. And we place that stigma upon that person thereby. And God wants us to have a heart of love. That we love our enemies and those that persecute us. Secondly, Matthew nineteen nineteen, It's declared, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I've not met anybody that doesn't like themselves quite a bit. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest now. And... uh The first day I, some of you have heard this, the first day I arrived in Colorado, uh, we were offloading my furniture, we hadn't been here in three three hours, and I slipped off the ice and fell and broke my hip, and I was incapacitated for three months, and in the hospital, and in a rehab hospital, and then I was at Steve Owens for about six weeks, he fixed uh, a hospital bed downstairs in in an office, and I was there, and I would wave to my wife upstairs, and should come to see me once in a while no I'm kidding, <laughs> but I was with them for that six week period of time, and one time I remember we got about nine or ten inches of snow, and I watched deep, he. he bundled all up, he put on like a jumpsuit uh, he looked nothing like Elvis anyway, but uh put he put on a jumpsuit, he put on a uh, like a bellaclav, and all you could see was his eyes he had a scarf around his neck, and he was Big thick gloves, and then I go, "Where are you going?" He goes, "Oh, I'm just going to go s- blow uh, the snow off the driveway." So he went out there, and I heard the snow blower going. He cleaned his driveway and he cleaned his walkway in front of his house. So I was looking for him to come in, and, and he just never came in. And I heard the snow blower continued to go, and it just went and went and went. And eventually, he did come in. And I go, "Where were you? I thought you were just blowing your driveway and your sidewalk." And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "But I'm new to this neighborhood." And I don't know the neighbors on either side, so I blew their driveway and I blew their sidewalk as well. I thought it would give me a good opportunity because at some juncture, they'll thank me for what I did. And I'll get to know them. And I was just blown away by how he demonstrated a love to these neighbors that he didn't even know. He manifested a love from the Father to them. And eventually the people came over and they were just blown away that he had blown their snow away. <laughs> but he manifested a love that was from God that touched their heart. And it melted any kind of hardness because apparently during the summer, they had called the police because the the kids were in the, the jacuzzi in the backyard and they had a Christian radio station playing a bit loud. And the police came and told them to turn it off and all these things. So in spite of that, he went and demonstrated a love that broke the barriers and melted the hearts of the people around about Him. And you see, if we do the same thing, guess what happens? We can melt the lo- the heat of God's love will melt any ice cube neighbor that we have. The third thing found in John 13, verse 34 and 35, it goes on and says this, that uh, I'm going to cut out part of it, but it just says this. Love one another, and by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's towards us as Christians. Loving and demonstrating our God's love one towards another. Now, I used to live a part, in a, a community in South Africa, and then uh, being here a part of a group of people in Redemption City, where I'm based... We, a lot of people move in, and we help them move. And I've watched as the neighbors peek out the windows as they see a big truck pull up, and then they see about five or six cars pull up and maybe eight or ten guys get out of the cars and some of the wives drive up a little bit later and they bring coffee and donuts and sandwiches and things. And we help people move in their house. And then the people come out and go, uh, what, are you part of a society or a group or something? What uh, Are you a moving company? What is this? You've got so many people. And we're able to exclaim to them, oh, we're just Christian brothers and sisters, and out of our desire to love and just to be a blessing to one another, we're just helping them move. And people, you know what? They've come to visit the church as a direct response to seeing a manifestation of a literal loving of brother and sister to one another. God wants us to help one another and manifest His love to each other in the same way. The fourth thing John 14, 15 says, If you love Me, you will obey what I command. That's what Jesus says that the Father says. The Father says, Hey, if you love Me, you'll just keep My commands. You'll want to be pleasing to Me. And you know what? It goes on and says in the 23rd verse, and I love it, it just lays this out. It says this, If you obey Me, if you love Me and you obey Me and follow My commands, the Father and I will come and make our home in you. Wow. Wow. I thought it was just Jesus that lived in us. But here he tells us that if we follow his commands and we manifest his love and demonstrate our love towards him, he will come and abide and take up residence within us. Isn't that incredible? So we don't have an ethereal God that's out there that we are praying to, but we pray from a position of him abiding within us. And as we do that, we see God tangibly work within our midst. Romans 8, the fifth chapter. It's incredible to understand that God gives us love. Romans 5.5 5 says this. I'm sorry, I'll get the eighth verse in a minute. It says in 5, five, it says, God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given to us. So here God says, hey, just demonstrate and manifest your love back to Me. And oh, by the way, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit to you which will give you the love for you to manifest back to Me. The Holy Spirit will give you the love not only to manifest back to Me, but for you to manifest and to touch those around about you, your neighbors. It will be the love that is demonstrated and manifested from Christian to Christian so that the world will know that you Christians are loved and you are My disciples. And he says, I'll give you the love to love your enemies. And I'll give you the love to love those that persecute you. You know, I heard a a story of uh, the early church. It was probably around uh, 150 to 200 after the death of Christ that Christians would sell themselves into slavery because there, there weren't many martyrs anymore. There weren't many opportunities to give their life for the cause of Christ so they would sell themselves to be taken to another region of the world so they could live and serve with an idea of impacting and allowing the love of God to touch others around about them wow that blows me away because it seems like as I my perception among people not just Christians but people in general that most of the time we're looking out for ourselves isn't that true? Romans the 5th chapter and the 8th verse says God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, He made a plan and Christ came and He died for us. It was His idea long before we ever were thought of. Isn't that incredible? That's the kind of God that we have. One of the things that I think is so significant, even after Adam and Eve sinned, do you know that they still hung out with God? you know that? Nobody knows that. You don't believe me, do you? Where do they hang out with God? Where is that in the Bible? Well, I'll, I'll tell you where it's in the Bible. It's actually in the, through the story of Cain and Abel. The fourth chapter of Genesis. Why? Let me read it to you and I'll tell you. Cain and Abel, this is what happened. God so loved Cain that in the... 6th verse, it says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted and everything be okay? But if you do not do what is right, listen to what he says. God comes down and warns him in advance, a warning directly from God, And he says, if you do not do what's right, and this is in verse 7, it says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Now that's a pretty stern warning where God comes down and he says, hey, I want to tell you, the devil's right at your door. It wants to have you. But then what does he say? He goes on and says, but you must master it. Then right after that, Here, God comes down and speaks personally to you. That would be like me coming to Mark and saying, Hey, Mark, I know you're in business here and doing this and doing this. If you just do this and this and this, everything's going to come right. It's like Jesus coming to the disciples and saying, Hey, have you caught any fish tonight? They said, Man, we fished all night. We haven't caught anything. And Jesus just says, Well, just throw your net on the other side of the boat. You think, Look, the boat's only about eight feet wide. Is that going to make a difference? But they did it. And what happened? Look at the fruitfulness that came out of it. So God comes down and He speaks to Cain and He gives him a personal, intimate warning. He says, if you just do what's right, everything's going to be okay. But if you don't, sin is crouching at the door, desires to have you, but you have an ability and strength in me, obviously, to master it. Because He says, you must master it. Well, we know the story. He didn't master it. He, right after that, the 8th verse, he takes his brother out into a field and kills his brother. And then God returns and says to him, Hey, where's your brother? And he goes, Am I my brother's helper? It's like, God, surely you didn't know, didn't see anything, you know? (laughs) That's a perception. The 13th verse, this is what it says in the same chapter. It says this Because God measured out a penalty to him and a punishment. And this is what Cain said in verse 13 My punishment is more than I can bear. Today, you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. Wow. If Cain was going to be hidden from the presence of God, that means he had to have learned from his parents about being in the presence of God. Isn't that true? And that had to be after Adam and Eve fell. Because... Why would you tell your child something that they could never partake of? It's impossible. So they told them, and he, they experienced, and he saw that this punishment is more than I can bear. You're driving me from your presence today. Wow, that just blows my mind when I think about that. God so desires intimacy with you and me. He desires us to be with Him. Romans 8:28 through 39, the, the bottom line of that whole passage of Scripture is this: that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. It's this height, or depth, principalities and powers. Nothing, hardship, nothing will separate you from the love of God. If we can just get it to do that 16-inch drop from here into here, that we actually believe it. Because you see, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's not with our head. It's with our heart. Now, I'm getting into my sermon. It's real short. It's only three verses. (laughs) Then I'll be done. Is that okay? Well, I'll be done whether it's not okay or not. (laughs) Probably some of you are thinking, you were done a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, smile a little bit. Some of you sitting there like you're sitting there with a wedgie or something, man. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Come on. Are you thirsty? The Bible says, empathize with me and enjoy this. <laughs> I've never understood why such big men have such small bottles, though. <laughs> That's true. See, this God that loves us so much. I want to tell you a personal story. I worked in Dallas, Texas in a, in a ministry there called Christ for the Nations. And um, I had a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was about a 24-hour drive. It asked me to come up and share about my wife and I going to Africa. So I said, okay. So I drove up there uh, to and ministered for four or five days with him. The pastor called me in after the time and said, hey, thanks so much. We appreciate you coming. We'll be praying for you. And shook my hand. And the people I was staying with, they said, when I got home, they said, to get my things to, to go head back to Dallas. I said, well, what did the church give you? What did the church give you? And I said, well, he, he shook my hand and he told me that they'd be praying for me and God bless me and that they would be looking forward to hearing from me. And this guy, the guy I stayed with was a deacon in the church. He was so embarrassed. He slipped into his study. He comes out, gives me a $100 bill. And he said, look, this will pay for your gas back to Dallas. That's when gas was Seventy-nine cents a gallon or something, you know. It was pretty cheap then. (laughs) But so I go back, we go off to Africa, we're there. My wife has to have an emergency surgery in Kenya. And it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. Something cropped up. She had to have immediate surgery to remedy it. And the day I was to get her out of the hospital, I had eight shillings, which was a dollar and twelve cents in my pocket. Not very much. And all of a sudden, I go to the post box. And as I get to the post box, I open it up, and hey, there's a letter from that church, Maranatha uh, Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Open it up. pastor says, well, when you were here, God told us you had enough money to get to Africa. You had enough money to take care of you for a while and things like this. We've been praying for you, and six weeks ago, then I looked at the letter when it was written and how long it took to get to me. It, in essence, ten weeks in advance Of that letter getting to me, they said, God spoke to us and told us to send this amount to help you that you needed help. So, see, the Word of God says that God knows before we ask, and He sends the answer. Ten weeks in advance, god prepared a circumstance a situation he sends the response that would be necessary and needed 10 weeks later to the very day and it was enough to take care of the surgeon the hospital all the medication and to take care of she and i for two months there we got one more check from that church in our time in africa ministry and that was it but that was all that god told them to do you know what I want to say this to you, that as a new church, your hope is not in the people. Your hope is in God. No matter what your circumstances are, your hope is not in your job. It's not in your family members. Your hope is in God. Because God will provide even when you don't know how He's going to provide. This last February, my wife and I, our youngest son was getting married in South Africa. Now, he was working and ministering in Australia, and he met this South African girl there, and she went home, and then they, the whole family we flew in. They told us what our contribution was to be in this time, and so we provided that to them already. Then when I got there, they asked for My son, they didn't ask me. They asked my son to speak to us. They wanted another son to help with this wedding. Well, we were unprepared for that. And my wife said, she was panicking. She was saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I said, well, we just continue to look to God. He is the faithful one. Now, I'm saying these stories to you to help you to have a confidence and trust that God has an unfailing love towards you and he's going to take care of you in the midst of everything shaking around about you god's kingdom is unshakable so a friend of mine calls me up i just said well let's just we'll just see how god's going to do it instead of looking at it as an obstacle let's look at it as an opportunity how's god going to do this it will give us another testimony And you know what the word testimony means in the Hebrew? It means do it again. Give us another testimony for God to have another opportunity to do it again. And I'm telling you tonight because I want Him to do it again. And again and again and again. And you see, when we give our testimonies of what God does for us, we're telling Him and we're telling others, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. He will do it again. That's what we want. So this friend calls me up and says, Hey, let's go out for coffee. Uh my kids hadn't been back in South Africa in 20 years. And what's ironic, the suburb, because we used to live in South Africa, the very suburb we lived in was the suburb this young lady had grown up in. Yet my son meets her 25 years later in Australia. <laughs> Incredible. It's just how God fixes a fix to fix us. <laughs> so this friend calls me and says, hey, let's go out for a coffee. So I get there. I'm waiting to have coffee with a guy. I don't drink coffee, so I figured I'd have something else anyway. Uh, in uh, South Africa, they do have what, what they call ice chocolate, which is uh, shaved or grated ice, scoop of vanilla ice cream, and then chocolate milk over it. It's really good. You guys go home and want to try that now. So this guy shows up. He says, hey, look, something's come up. I can't meet with you. But here, the Lord told me to give this to you two weeks ago. So before I even found out that I needed to have re- some more extra resources, God speaks to this guy. He gives me an envelope. I open it up. It's the exact sum that they'd requested. 10,000 Rand, which was about $1,500. Well, 10,000 in anybody's currency is a lot, I think. <laughs> it was a lot. But um, So let's get back to this and just see what this thing of God's love has to do with you and I. Because everything that I've said has been building up to this present thing found in Ephesians 3 verse 16 through actually verse 21 I've written down 19 but through 21 I'm going to read it to you I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have Power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wow. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So it goes beyond all the intellectual pursuits. It goes beyond all the theological books. It goes beyond magazine articles. It goes beyond all knowledge. It transcends it. This love of Christ And it goes on and says there, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, why? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, all the fullness of God coming to you or me hinges on us understanding Christ's love for you and me. If we understand that love, it opens up a dimension that transcends anything we've entered into ever before. You could see it in Colossians 1, where from verse 15 on down through, it talks about the supremacy of Christ. It says, all the fullness of God was in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, and all the fullness of the deity was in Christ. And then it goes on and says in verse 10, And that fullness He has given to you. In other words, all the fullness of God has been made manifest in Christ, and He's turned around and said, I'm making this available to you. The same authority, the same power, the same love, every concept that has come from God and out of the deity, I'm making available to you. But it hinges on us understanding The love of Christ in our hearts and in our lives. That's why God is love. That's why He who is love demonstrated the greatest love of all sending the very Son, His only Son that He loved so much He sends Him to the world. Why? Because He loves us. and He loves mankind. And He sent Him to redeem us So that he could facilitate us by our understanding of the love of Christ to impact the world wherever we go. Transcends anything we could imagine in the natural realm. That's the love that the Father has for you and I. You see, as we begin to grasp this, guess what will happen? We will see that we are nothing more than an extension of God Himself here on earth, touching people, impacting lives healing people, setting people free, God utilizing us and impacting through us to touch Erie and the surrounding communities around about us so that people's lives will be transformed by the love of God that's tangibly manifested through you and me as we touch people's lives. That's God's intent and that's why God demonstrated his love and gave his love, gave his son to us so that there could be a transforming nature that takes place within us that we see we're of significance. We see we're of value. We see that God has offered all of Himself of what He had given to Christ as Christ operated on the earth. God has made it manifest to be within you and me. And He says, "You." that's why He tells us in Colossians one twenty-seven that we are the hope of glory you and I, that we're God's hope to impact the world, that they might be expressly touched by God's love and His presence through you and I operating in this place. I don't know about you, but that just blows me away. That just says, makes me say to God, oh God, what love you have for me. You know that song, His love that they sang this evening about being fast and furious and surrounds us and it's a Every facet of it is going towards us. God so loved the world He gave. And you see, if we're following His very character and nature because of His love within us, that DNA is within us, then in essence, what should we be doing? We should be doing the same thing He did, demonstrating and manifesting and releasing His love upon the earth around about us, touching people's lives. Nothing will touch a person more than God's love.